Well, happy Mother's Day. We are delighted that you all can be here today. And I know that Mother's Day has, has a joyful ring to it. And it could also have a sorrowful ring to it as well. Uh, lots of moms here and they're celebrating. And, um, and obviously, uh, Suzanne being the mother in our house, we already have some kids. And we're sending her some text messages. We have a, a family group chat, uh, text chat. And um, our Marine sent her a blessing at 1.30 this morning. So uh, that, was, uh, that was good. Good. All right. And he was the first one. So Lawson, uh, Lawson, if you're listening, and I know he does, uh, thank you for that, son, for, uh, for wishing your, your mother happy Mother's Day so early. And so lots of great reasons to celebrate. But I know it's not always a joyful time uh, because I know it's a time where, where we miss our moms. For those mothers who've gone on, I know my mother, my mother this is our second, my second Mother's Day without her. And I got up this morning and just, just missing her, just wishing I could send her a text and uh, or just uh, hear her voice again. And I know it's a, it's a, it's a time where we uh, can uh, not only remember, but also uh, mourn. But just know this, God uh, gives us time with our mothers, and, um, and we can take joy in that. And then uh, he, he gives and he, and he takes away. And uh, through his great plan, he does have a plan. Uh, sometimes we don't, we don't understand that plan, but he does have a plan. And so, um, so we, we rejoice and we remember uh, all of our moms. Well, we are in week two of this series called 40 Days with Jesus. And, um, and you can actually walk with us, whether it be through a small group or through a personal devotional. And if you want to walk through that personal devotional, uh, you can um, simply go to lakepointonline.com forward slash 40 days week one. Well, tomorrow you can change that to week two. So we've got these divided into weeks. And it's simple, a simple daily devotional. You can pull it up on your phone or your computer, and uh, you can follow that throughout the week. So again, it's lakepointonline.com and uh, forward slash 40 days week one, and that's the number one. So we invite you to, uh, to do that. But this, this series is all about uh, the fact that Jesus spent 40 days on this earth after the resurrection, the biggest event in, in mankind history throughout all creation. And what does he do? He he. He stays around. He hangs out. You know, he missed heaven for 33 years. And if I were him, I would have gone home. I would have been like, okay, enough of this, right? I would have gone home. But Jesus hung out for 40 days. Now, we don't know everything he did on that, on, on those 40 days. We do know that there are some things he did because it's in Scripture. And it's important to know that the reason why he did this is uh, we, I, I feel, and biblical scholars feel, is to help edify the church and encourage the disciples to say, hey, <laughs> it's not over. I'm alive. And so rather than just appearing to Mary Magdalene like we talked about last week and then just ascending into heaven, then he hung out. Now, we, uh, we're going to uh, figure out why and who and where and all of those questions as we travel this journey over the next 40 days. And so this series is a six-week series. We are in week two. And we talked about last week how it was a life-transforming encounter for Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene was a woman who was um, demon-possessed. And so Jesus released her uh, and cast out all of those demons. And in that 
that demonic state that she was in, she had uh, darkness in her life, no light inside of her. Uh, she had uh, lots, of, um, lots of despair and, um, and, and really death was, was, um, was around her all the time. And knowing that Jesus had died and she's at the tomb and she gets there and the stone is rolled away and Jesus' body's not there and there's no signs of life and nothing, those feelings must have just come back to Mary of just, of just death and darkness and despair. And we see in that passage we read last week, it, four times, it said that, that Mary was crying. She was weeping. Why? Because her Savior was not there. And then, of course, Jesus appeared to her. She did not recognize him at first until he said her name. And Jesus can do the same for us. When we are in those moments of darkness and despair, when we walk through those seasons in our life, Jesus is there. The Holy Spirit is there to call our names and say, hey, I'm here with you. I'm here with you. And so that light can come flood in and that new life can be flooding into our life as well. And so today's message, we're going to look at another encounter with Jesus. And it's, um, and it's going to be in Luke chapter 24. So if you have your copy, your printed copy of God's Word or your digital copy of God's Word, we're going to be in Luke chapter 24. And the scriptures are going to be on the screen. And we're going to be in verse 13 through 35. Luke chapter 24, verse 13 through 35. And this encounter happens on the, on the same uh, first Easter Sunday. So Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene. And, um, and then uh, later on that afternoon, um, he appears to two followers or, or disciples of Jesus. Now, these guys are not the, one, of the, one of the 11 or the, or the original 12. These are just a couple of uh, disciples um, uh, and followers of Jesus who knew Jesus, was around Jesus, and probably followed him uh, for uh, several years while he taught on this earth. And um, so they are going to a village called Emmaus, and they're traveling from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and they're walking. It's the afternoon on that same Sunday, and they're walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and it's about a seven-mile journey. So if you and I were to walk for seven miles, I did a little bit of Google research on this, if you were to walk for seven miles, it would take you about two hours. Okay, just a normal pace. So it's a two-hour stroll. So kind of put that in your mind and in your heart, and just know this: this is this is a path, uh, pathway that was that was crossed by lots of people. Okay, um, it was something that was a road that was traveling from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and uh, they probably weren't the only ones there walking on that road. There were other people uh, going, uh, coming and going from one city to the next. So Luke chapter twenty-four, verse thirteen. Now, that same day, talking about Easter, that Sunday morning, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleophas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, Jesus asked. 
about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we have hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said it was alive, he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. It's, it's amazing. They're talking about Jesus right there. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So while he's teaching them what's going on, they, they still don't recognize him. They still don't understand. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us? While he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us, then they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and, there, and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the, the, two, um, then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This story is something you probably have heard before. And if not... It's a very interesting story. So on that journey, they were joined together by the risen Jesus. At first, obviously, they didn't recognize it was him. No, not sure why. It's kind of similar to what Mary Magdalene faced when she didn't really recognize him. It could be that, um, that they, didn't, they didn't recognize him because maybe they were so distracted. Maybe they were so distraught by, by the events that took place. You know, we may not be able to see Jesus physically in this life as the disciples did, but we can go in a similar sort of eye-opening journey. You can say something is an eye-opening journey or, or an eye-opener if it's made you realize something you hadn't been aware of before. We see in this passage sort of two key principles I see that stand out. Two main principles that stand out that we can apply to our lives. First of all, the first principle is blurred vision. Our vision of Jesus can be blurred. Our vision of Jesus can be blurred. There are different reasons as to why the disciples didn't recognize him. Um, but just like their vision was blurred, our vision can be blurred as well. It could have been their attitude could have been their, uh, how distraught they were. But as we look at the text, there are three things that hinder the disciples, these followers, from seeing Jesus fully that blurred their vision. Number one, blurred by despair. Our spiritual vision of Jesus can be blurred by 
despair. Did you notice her sense of despair as Jesus engages with them? In, back in verse 17 and 18, he said to them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, Cleophas said, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened these days? So they were in despair. Why? Because they were looking at life without the resurrection. They were looking at life without the resurrection. They had people tell them. They had ladies tell them that Jesus is alive. But they did not live life with the fullness of knowing that Jesus had been resurrected. Life is ultimately full of sadness and despair. If there is no resurrection, if there is no hope beyond death. But the good news, as we saw last week, is that the resurrection promise, promises freedom from the grip of despair. However, not only do we have this promise, but we also know that Jesus is present in the midst of the most troublesome times that we can face in our lives. He's a God who doesn't stand, uh, stand off, stand at a distance from human suffering, but instead he became one of us and he faced all kinds of suffering. Unfortunately, like the disciples, our despair can blur our vision and prevent us from being aware that our comforter is right there. You may have felt that in seasons in your life. I know I have. Where you have the season of, of despair where everything about you, everything in front of you, is blocking you from the fullness of life and to know that Jesus is right there with you. And it's not something necessarily that you have done. It's just something that has happened to you or maybe could be something you're going through right now. We've all faced those moments of despair, whether it be um, a loved one passing away or, or issues with relationships or maybe a medical issue or you know, job loss or financial, and, and everything is just coming around you, and you are blurred by the fact that Jesus is with you, and he longs to give you new life. We can also see the vision is, is blurred by disappointment, by disappointment. In the dialogue of, of continuing irony, they tell Jesus about himself, how he was a mighty prophet who eventually crucified. As we read in verse 21, he says this, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We were hoping that he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. Their goal, their, what they thought was going to happen was that Jesus was going to be a mighty victor delivering them from bondage. Yes, he was, and yes, he did. But they were talking about the wrong bondage. They were thinking about something different. They were thinking about an earthly bondage, and that was the bondage of Roman tyranny. And Jesus came, say, look, it's, it's bigger than that. I came to release you from the bondage of sin and your life. And not just the Israelites, but for all mankind. And his followers were so focused on the tyranny that was in front of them. And they were disappointed. They were like, he was supposed to free us from this. And he died. And, and here it is three days later. And now... No one knows where his body is. Big disappointment. 
Have you had disappointment in your life? Have you felt like there's been some things that, that have disappointed you? Maybe a loved one has, has disappointed you, or our, our friend has disappointed you, or a circumstance in his life has disappointed you. And we can get so cloudy in our vision, so blurred in our vision with the disappointments that we so focus on that that we don't see Jesus. I think those followers, those disciples, they were so blurred with disappointments. Their face, as the Bible says, was downcast. Of course they didn't recognize Jesus. They couldn't get past their own disappointments. Jesus is present even in the midst of these disappointments. In the midst of heartache, in the midst of job loss, in the midst of bereavement, those disappointments can blur our vision. And then the third thing we see in this passage is that the disciples' vision was blurred by doubt. It was a blurred by doubt. We see this in verses 22 through 24. In addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen visions of angels who said it was al- he was alive. Then some of the companions went to the tomb and found it was just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. They doubted. They doubted the resurrection. Like these disciples, our doubt and unbelief can blur our vision from the truth of the risen Jesus. Thankfully, that is only part of the story, as we'll dissect this a little bit more. But our doubt can, can blur the vision of Jesus. There are, there are many people in this life who are walking in doubt. They're walking in doubt. Well, I think, there's, I think there's more than one way to God. I think there's more than one way to heaven. Or I think I've done lots of good things in this life. I think I can get to heaven. I've been a good person. They're living in doubt. And because of that, their vision for, to see Jesus, who he is the way, the truth, and the life, their vision is so blurred that they do not see that Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the one and only answer. And so we walk in doubt. There's a story by a woman named Rose Crawford. She had been blind for 50 years. 50 years. She, um, she couldn't believe it when they took the bandages off of her eyes after a surgical procedure and she was able to see. And she was so amazed after 50 years that, that she could see. Her vision was restored to the way it should be. But what's interesting to note is that Rose Crawford could have had that surgery 20 years before. The technology was there. Was there. The doctor's wisdom was there. All of it was there. There were people who were having that surgical procedure for her particular blindness that was able to, they were able to be cured of that. But she doubted there was even anything like that. And so rather than 50 years, she could have just lived 30 years blind. She could have had 20 more years of sight if she just would have believed and trusted. Boy, how many people are walking in this life Blind, 
and in doubt, doubt that there is hope for their lives. And how often do we walk in doubt? Doubt that God can help us in this situation. Doubt that God can help us in this, in this uh, healing that needs to take place in our life. Doubt that God can pull us through. When there seems to be no way, God can make a way. When we doubt that, our vision of who God is and the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, it is blurred when we doubt. Don't be like those followers. Don't doubt. They were told. They were told. We saw angels, the stone was rolled away, and the tomb was empty. What more do you need? What more do you need? Why do you doubt? So we have blurred vision in this story. But then, I love it. It, the story doesn't stop there not only is there blurred vision but guess what the vision can be corrected there can be corrective vision and we see this as the story goes on we find this in, in verse 25 to 27 he says he said to them how foolish you are and how slow to believe all of the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. What's the first way that our vision can be corrected? We see it through scriptures. Our eyes are opened to what's in God's word. That is helps us with our blurred vision. It helps us with our blurred vision to see who God, to see God for who he really is and what he can do in our life and to see Jesus and the power of his resurrection and what the Holy Spirit can do in our lives. We can see that if we open our eyes and read it in scripture. Notice that Jesus what he doesn't do, he doesn't at this point say, look, don't be stupid, guys. It's me, Jesus. Hello? He didn't do that. He didn't point it to himself. He didn't point it to himself. What did he do? He pointed it to Scripture. Let me show you about Jesus. This man called Jesus, and he's talking about himself. So for two hours... Remember, seven mile, for two hours, they're walking, and he explains all the prophets. This prophecy about Jesus from Moses all the way to Micah. Prophecies about Jesus, and a lot of it in Isaiah and all of those passages of Scripture. And Jesus helps open their eyes to see when you and I Get blurred vision. Y'all, we need to just open up our eyes and read scripture. Read scripture. When you are facing in moments of doubt or despair or, or whatever you're going through and, and, and you can't see God for who he really is, open his word. I encourage you, if you, are, if you don't follow Jesus, if, if, if you're listening online or watching online or in this room and you don't, you don't really have a, a relationship with Christ, I would encourage you to read scripture. If you don't have a Bible, let us know. We'll help you with that. But I would start with the book of John. It's in the New Testament. Just read the book of John and just continue on through that. 
Focus on the New Testament. For the people who have been a Christian, and if you're walking with Jesus, and if you're, and if you're living for him, open up your word. Ladies, I encourage you to open up your word here on this, on this Mother's Day. I just want to encourage you. I, 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 love, I love that when I, when I get up in the morning, when I eventually get up, my wife gets up before I do. She's a school teacher. And, um, but when I mosey on my way downstairs, um, what is she doing every morning? She's sitting in her chair and she's reading God's word every morning. And, and I don't do that to brag on her. I just, I love that. And let me tell you, I know she prays for me. I know she prays for our family. I know she prays for many of you, especially the ladies in our, in our church. She prays for you. She opens up God's word every morning. Her vision of God is rarely, ver- rarely blurred. She's got great. Now, she's reading God's word with glasses <laughs> because her actual physical vision is blurred a little bit, but her spiritual eyes are wide open, and they are crystal clear. Now, does she go through moments of, of despair and doubt? And lot? Yeah, she has those moments, as we all do. But as a family, man, we look to mom <laughs> for that clear vision. The second way we see Jesus help our spiritual blurred vision, just like with those disciples, is that to welcome his presence. Welcome his presence. Here's the shocking truth. In spite of Jesus being on the journey with these two disciples and him personally revealing the scriptures to them, they still could have missed him as seen in verses 28 through 29. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if we were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Jesus was about to continue on his journey. He was probably about to continue on and as they went to the house, he was just gonna kind of disappear, okay? Do what, 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 what the glorified body does. It wasn't until they responded to his presence by showing him hospitality and urging him to come in and eat with them that he actually revealed himself to them. This reminds me in, in a passage, you've probably heard this before, in Revelation 3.20, you don't, you don't need to turn there, but it's just one scripture. 3.20 says, here I am, this is Jesus talking, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. That's what the disciples did. That's what the followers did. They invited Jesus to come in. Welcome him into your presence, into the house that they were going to in Emmaus. When our vision gets blurred, we need to invite Jesus. We need to welcome him into our presence. We need to welcome him into our lives. Start the day by going, Jesus, and this is going to be a full day. This is going to be a lot. There's a lot of stuff going on, or I'm, I'm, I'm living in confusion, or, or doubt, or, or, or these, these things are weighing heavy on me. I need you to walk with me throughout this day. I need you to be near me. 
I had to do that the last couple of weeks. The last couple of weeks was really, really busy. As we were taking care of schools and, and as we participated in, and uh, hosted the National Day of Prayer in Emerson, which is a great uh, opportunity to gather together with other believers, and it was a wonderful gathering of people. But it was a lot of work. My days were full last week. But here's what I did while I drove from one location to the next. I said, Jesus, I need you to be with me. I need you to be near me. I need you to be with me. And invite him into those days. If your vision gets blurred, know this. You can welcome him into your presence. And he will come in and eat with you. He will come in and be with you. And then the last thing. We see the third way we see Jesus help our spiritual blurred vision is to break bread together as seen in verse 30 through 31. He said this, when he, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, to, uh, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. When you and I break bread together, meaning when you and I, when we get together in fellowship, Jesus loves to reveal himself. Jesus loves to show himself fully. That's why it's so important to, to come together and in fellowship. That's why it's so important to come together and in church and, 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 and the worshiping together and in small groups and, and all of these fellowship. It, that's why it's so important because Jesus can reveal himself. Guess what? You see Jesus in the smiles of others and the hugs of others and the, the companionship of others and even hearing others' trials and talking and saying, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. Last Sunday, we had breakfast Sunday and I was amazed last Sunday. We have it once a month. The first Sunday of the month, it was just buzzing with activity and fellowship and joy. And I just was looking in the, in the, in the lobby area, and I was like, this is really good. And guess what I saw? I saw Jesus. I saw Jesus in the conversations and on the faces of the people Their eyes were opened. Their eyes were open. This is in contrast here with the first meal in the Bible that we know of. You know what the first meal that we, is recorded in Scripture is with Adam and Eve. There is disobedience in, in God's command. Eve gave Adam some of the forbidden fruit that both ate and their eyes were open and they recognized their nakedness and shame the result, sin, guilt, shame, death, came in with all the consequences that we are still living in today. But here, on this first Easter Sunday, on that first Easter Sunday on the walk to Emmaus, symbolizing the first start of the new creation in Christ, the resurrected Jesus took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them. Now their eyes were open, not to their shame or their guilt, 
but their eyes were open to the glory of the risen Jesus. The long curse has been reversed. The price for sin has been paid for. Death itself has been defeated. Jesus really is alive, so we can really live. Jesus is alive. Why? So we can truly live and have abundant life. This highlights the importance of having fellowship and eating together and coming together. Jesus loves to present himself to us. What great news. Our eyes can be open. And here's what I love about this story. I was wondering, it's like, okay, how did, the, how did those disciples knew? Is it the way that Jesus broke the bread? I mean, how did they know it was him when he broke the bread? Did he, did he break it a certain way? Did he have a certain pattern to it? Did he carotid chop it? I mean, what did he do? How was the way that he broke the bread? It wasn't the bread. It was the holes in his hands that they saw. It wasn't the way he broke the bread. They finally saw the holes in his hands and they knew it. That's Jesus. When you and I come together and we break bread together and we fellowship, we see more and we're reminded of the holes in the hands of Jesus and we're reminded of what he did for us. Just coming here today or watching online, now you, you're reminded of the sacrifice he did for us. Are you going to have blurred vision? Yes. Have I had blurred vision? Yes. You're going to have that. You're going to be just like those disciples. You're going to be filled sometimes with those moments where you have maybe some despair, Oh, ultimate sadness. Maybe you're overcome with that and, and you have blurred vision of, of who God is and what he's trying to speak to you. Or maybe there's disappointment in your life. But know this, or, or even doubt. But know this, our vision can be restored through the scriptures, as Jesus showed, by inviting him in to our day, to our fellowship, inviting him in as those disciples did. And third, by coming together, breaking bread together, fellowshipping with one another, we get to see Jesus. And our vision is not blurred. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you have sort of this blurred vision and whatever you could be going through, or maybe you know someone who's going through this, I want you to just do some, something really simple. Just simply say, God, help me with that blurred vision. And just say, I commit to open up your word. I commit to inviting you into my day, every day, into my life, the decisions I make, Lord, I commit to you to remain steadfast in coming together with the body of Christ. Help me with my blurred vision. In Jesus' name, amen.